0: Of course with Christmas upon us I know that shopping is ratcheting up a little bit maybe less this year with COVID but but still people are out there buying their stuff and buying Christmas presents and and certainly uh, making runs to the grocery store to buy stuff for a Christmas feast and I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm the worst person in the world when it comes to remembering the reusable bags that we're now supposed to use. I, I never remember to bring those with me. I'm the one who's personally keeping the paper bag industry in, in business, because every time I go to Wegmans, they're like, I have to buy more paper bags. And my, my issue with paper bags is I know it's good for the environment, uh, but they're, they're really hard to carry a bunch of them, right? Like plastic bags, I don't know if we're still allowed to even talk about those, but plastic bags were easy to carry and... The reusable bags are easy to carry because they have handles. But the paper bags, it's like you can only carry so many at a time. And that's a problem for me because if you're like me, when I get home from a uh, trip to Wegmans and I open my trunk, no matter how many groceries are in my trunk, I see it as a challenge. And the challenge is this, one trip. I'm going to make one trip into my house. And it's ridiculous because I don't live in a mansion where I have to walk up all these stairs of this long driveway. It's like 10 feet into my house. It would be just as easy for me just to make multiple trips. But I don't know if it's this guy thing in me. I'm like, I see it as a challenge. And so I want to grab as many bags as I can to make one trip. And it's impossible with paper bags. (laughs) Paper bags are the arch enemy of one trip uh, goals. So, you know, when it comes to the way that we carry our burdens, we all have different strategies and different approaches. But in life, we have, we all have real burdens, real things that weigh us down. And I don't know what burdens you brought to church this morning, but I know you have them. I know there are thoughts that weigh on your mind and weigh on your heart. I know there are serious things and in our world today with COVID and everything else happening in our country. um, The burdens that people are carrying are greater than ever, I think. In fact, there's research and data coming out that's showing us that in addition to the physical dangers and the medical dangers that our country is facing and our world is facing, that there's unprecedented uh, amounts of mental health crisis and emotional health. And that's um, three to four times the normal amount of depression and anxiety and self-harm and suicide. And all because people are carrying burdens that they don't know what to do with. And so this morning we're going to look at a passage that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago to a church in Galatia. And he's wrapping up his letter, which we've been studying for the last six weeks. And he gives us some interesting instructions here on burdens, and how to carry burdens. And I want us to look at this together. I hope it will be helpful for you. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 1 from the ESV. Paul writes these words, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. What we're going to learn from this text together this morning is that there's three types of burdens that Paul describes here. There's the burden that we should carry together. Secondly, there's the burden that each of us has to carry alone. And then lastly, there's the burden that Jesus Christ carried alone, okay? The burden we carry, the burden I carry, and the burden that Jesus carried. So first, the burden that we carry. And right here in verse 1, I think I have verse 1 here for you, Paul starts off by using the word brothers. And this is not a, a term that Paul has used a lot at this point in the book of Galatians. And he uses brothers, and I think he uses brothers, it could also be brothers and sisters, for a very specific reason. Because what he's about to say to them, he's saying to a family of people, people who are a family. And one of the things about family is you don't get to choose your family, do you? You're in the family you're in because of a choice that was made way before you had any ability to make any sort of choice. And it's the same thing with the family of God. You and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a child of God, that means you've been adopted into, we talked about this two weeks ago, you've been adopted into a family and when you look around the room this morning, which is full of all kinds of people who are also brothers and sisters in Christ, you didn't choose them. Right? And, and and part of being a part of the family of God means that sometimes you're going to be doing life with people that you wouldn't have naturally chosen to join your life to. But because God chose both of you, you're now in the family of God. And that means two things. It means, number one, it's gonna be hard sometimes, it's gonna get messy. There's people in this room that don't think the way you think, that last month didn't vote the way you voted, that don't believe the way you believe about every single thing in life, but still God calls us to be a family. It's going to be hard. How many of you, you know, here we are between Thanksgiving and Christmas with family gatherings. I know it's different this year, but family gatherings sometimes can be wonderful. And let's be honest, sometimes they're kind of hard. They're kind of tricky because no one can hurt you like a family member. Family pain is the worst type of pain. Family stress is the worst type of stress. And so when Paul says brothers and sisters, what he's reminding them of is you're part of a family. You didn't choose this family. God chose you to be a part of this family. But because it's a family, it's going to be hard at times. But also because it's a family, you've got to stay together. Right, I know that not all families are able to stay together. There's estranged relationships. I understand that happens. But for the, for the most part, in many cases, families get through things that other people don't always get through. Why? Simply because they're family. And family sticks together. And so Paul here is calling them a family. What this means, by the way, before we go on, is this. If you really want to be a part of a church, if you really want to be a part of a community, then you have to expect it to be hard at times. Challenging, difficult, not easy but also say, I'm in. Not because of my choice, but because of God's choice. He chose me, the family. Then he goes on to say, you, uh, sorry, go back one. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, which is a sin, or actually it's not just a sinful event or a sinful, it's a pattern of sin that there's sin that's controlling your life, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. This phrase, you who are spiritual, might make our ears perk up as if there is an A-squad of Christians out there. There's an elite, super-spiritual, hyper-spiritual Christians, and they're the ones that this verse is written to. But when you study this passage, what Paul is really saying is those of you who are led by the Spirit... Those of you who have the Spirit's life at work inside of you. And you know who that is? It's every single Christian. Every single believer. If you are being led by the Spirit, then this verse is for you. You are to restore gently those who are caught in a pattern of sin. And what I love about what Paul does here is it says, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Paul doesn't say, ignore it. Overlook it. It'll be too awkward if you say something, so don't say anything. But he also doesn't say you can do it however you want. He says there's a way you need to do it. You need to do it in a spirit of gentleness. See, Paul is not giving Christians permission to just call everybody out on the way they live. There's one very important question you have to ask before you exercise what this verse teaches you to do. And it's the simple question of Is this person my brother or sister? And actually, there's two questions hidden within that question. And the first question hidden within that is this Are they a believer? Are they a follower of Jesus? Listen, if they're not a follower of Jesus, then you're a Christian. You have really no right to call them out on their unChrist-like behavior. They're not a Christian. Why are you holding them to a standard to live a certain way when they're not a believer? So number one, are they a Christian? But number two, are they your, do you have a relationship with them? Do you know them? Now, if you are a friend, and if they are a believer, then we have this responsibility to restore each other gently. And that Greek verb restore actually means, it sort of conjures up the medical image of a doctor resetting a dislocated bone. That something is not right, out of order, not aligned properly, not functioning the way that it's supposed to, and it needs to be dealt with. Dorothy Sayers, the author, she defines sin as a deep interior dislocation of the soul. Isn't that kind of an interesting image? A deep interior dislocation of the soul. Something inside of us is not aligned properly, something's not quite right. And so Paul's telling them all this. And then he goes on to verse two, and he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I gotta be honest with you as your pastor, for for a long time I, I sort of misused this verse. Not really understanding its context. Because I would read this verse, bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ, and usually I would share this verse in the context of let's help people in need. Let's feed the hungry, let's clothe the naked, let's visit those who are in prison, right? And, and by the way, the Bible teaches all of that. So that's all still very valid. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying something very, very specific he doesn't have the practical needs of people in mind. When he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, he's referencing back to what he just wrote in verse 1, which is this. And here's this what it means. One of the ways that Christians bear each other's burdens is that we walk with each other through restoration when we're struggling with sin. We don't turn on each other. We don't turn from each other. We don't attack each other. We don't feel superior to someone who's struggling with a sin that maybe you've never struggled with because the truth is, is but for the grace of God, there go you, right? And so it brings us to a place of humility and transparency. One of the things that COVID has taken from us, um, there's so many things, uh, but one of, the, one of the sort of little things that COVID has taken from us is the experience of being in a waiting room. Nobody sits in waiting rooms anymore. If, I don't know if you guys go to appointments, you sit in your car in the parking lot until they call you or text you to come in, right? Because they're trying to limit the gatherings of people. And so there's no more sitting in waiting rooms. I want you to envision two different types of waiting rooms, though. This waiting room is the waiting room for people who are about to interview for a job. They've all showed up wearing their absolute best, dressed to the you know, nines, and, and they got their resumes, and they're sizing each other up, and they're trying to determine, are they the smartest, sharpest, most qualified person in the room? And they're all sitting in this waiting room, one at a time, to go in and interview for a job they all desperately want. And then this waiting room over here is the waiting room in a doctor's office or in the emergency room. And nobody's impressive, and nobody's dressed to their best, and no, everybody's sick, And everybody's just waiting to be seen and cared for. And in studying this passage, one of the books I read said that the church, if the church is going to be what Paul envisions here, listen carefully, the church has to be less this type of waiting room and more this type of waiting room. The church is not supposed to be this sort of waiting room. We all show up our absolute best, trying to impress people, trying to size people up, trying to determine who we're more spiritual than, who we're more devoted than, Who you know? How long you've been in this church? Well, I've been in this church this much longer. There's none of that. Instead, the church is this sort of waiting room. People who, when everyone looks around, goes, "I don't know what your problem is, but I got a problem too. I don't know how your sickness is manifesting, but I got an issue too." And we look around this waiting room of people who are waiting to be seen by a great physician, a healer, a restorer. And we have sympathy and concern for one another. And it empowers us to bear each other's burdens. Because as long as you're over here, you're going to feel superior, elite. You're going to have pride and conceit. And conceit conceit, and arrogance and spiritual pride will kill your ability to help other people bear their burdens. Because it changes you from a burden bearer to a judge. To someone who is sitting above other people and saying, well, let me tell you why you're in the situation you're in. And let me tell you all the things you should do and you shouldn't have done. And we're trying to lecture each other. And, you know, most people in this world don't need a lecture right now. They need someone who will bear their burden with them, who will come alongside them and say, I want to hear your story. I want to walk with you. I want to strengthen you. And listen, if we're going to be this type of church, can I challenge you, if this is your church, to consider something in 2021? It's going to take a lot more than just showing up on Sunday mornings. A lot more. I'm glad we're here this morning. I'm thrilled that this room is full. But at the same time, this is, this is great, but it's not everything. This is not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about a church who broke bread together every day, who did life together, who knew each other well enough to bear each other's burdens. And that's another thing that we learn here. You can't bear someone's burden from a distance. If I see you after church over at Wegman struggling with your cart, And I'm on the other side of the parking lot and I yell, I got you. I can't do anything for you from across the parking lot, can I? I have to come near. I have to get close to you. I have to take the load off of you and do something about it. One of my concerns as a pastor in this season of COVID is that we're isolated, aren't we? More than normal. I miss having people into my home. You know, And I think it's, for us, with our family, we have a young girl with some medical conditions. For us, it's wisdom right now to lay low. And for many of you, it is. And, and I fully support your right to decide what's wise for you. But I miss just normal interactions. I miss just not worrying about stuff like this. I, I, I miss all that. And my concern is that whether you're here this morning or you're joining us online, is that this isolation that we've experienced that's coming up on a year now, it's doing damage to our souls. And there's no one that knows us well enough to bear our burdens with us. And so if we're going to be that church as we move into 2021 and, God willing, as we move past this season eventually, it's going to require more than Sunday mornings. It's going to require opening up our homes, opening up our lives, being willing to inconvenience and discomfort our normal social rhythms so that we can live on the mission of God of bearing one another's burdens. He says in here, watch yourself lest you be tempted. And here's what Paul's saying. As soon as you see somebody else struggling with a sin, right behind that observation is a temptation. The moment you observe somebody struggle with sin, right after it's coming a temptation, which is to judge them, to feel better than them, to feel superior to them. And so Paul's saying, be careful because you can be tempted by the same things that they were tempted by. You will never help other people bear their burdens if you think you're better than them or if you think you're above it all. There's a burden we must carry. The second thing in this text that we see is that there's a burden that I carry. And it's interesting because in verse 5, Paul says, we'll get to it. There we go. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. And it's almost like Paul contradicts everything he just said. It's like, hold on, Paul, you just said we're supposed to help each other. And now you're saying everybody's got to bear their own load. Paul, which is it? And what's very helpful is to actually study the original language in which this is written, and you'll realize that burden and load are not the same word. They're two very different words. Burden is a weight that can crush you. It's a weight that you're not created to carry on your own. It's it's something that's going to destroy you. It's something out of the normal. But load in the Greek is actually like a backpack that you would carry for a journey. It's some of the things that are given to you so that you can live your life. And essentially, when I was studying this passage, what I learned is that load, when Paul says each of you will have to bear his own load, he's not talking about our struggles with sin, because those are things we're supposed to help each other with. He's talking about life, our set of difficulties, um, circumstances, opportunities, the gifts you have, the personality you have, the leadership gifts you have, And here's what Paul is saying. Someday the life that you live, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an answer for your life. And on that day, nobody can give an answer for you. You'll bear that load alone before God on that day. What did you do with the opportunities God gave you? How did you face the difficulties that you encountered through life? And listen, how many of you know that in life we all got different types of load that we're carrying? Everybody has different load. I got friends right now who are their family is facing such tremendous medical challenges. They already have one child that has tremendous medical challenges. Now they have another child that has more complex, difficult medical challenges. And I watch, and I, you know, I, I stay in touch with them, and I, I track their life on social media, and I just ask at times to God, God, how can they carry this load? I cannot understand, and I've carried, our family has carried our own load with our daughter having special needs and having physical challenges and some, some tragic deaths in our family. I understand. I, I don't know what your load is. I, I have a sense of what my load is, but the truth is that every single one of us carries a different load through life, and someday we're going to stand before God, and here's, here's the good news. I think it's good news anyway. God's not going to ask you, what did you do with that person's load? What did you do with their opportunities? How did you steward Pastor Jason's gifts? That's not, your, that's not your concern. That's not your worry. What he's going to ask you is, what did you do with your gifts? What did you do with your opportunities? What did you do with the difficulties that you faced? And often in life, we like to go through comparing our load to other people and feeling like, you know, the, the problem with comparing your load to other people is it's going to lead either to pride or to envy or to despair. Last night, we had our prayer time. We do prayer every Saturday night from 8 to 8.30 on Zoom. And we were praying, and Steve Houghton was praying, and he prayed a prayer something like this. God, help us not to always be comparing our gifts to other people's gifts. And I remember in the prayer, he called it a trick of the enemy. And I think he's right. It's a trick of the enemy. Don't worry about other people's gifts. Don't worry about other people's opportunities. Don't worry about all that sort of stuff. That's their responsibility. But you have a responsibility. What are you going to do with your one and only life? with a life that God has given you. Yes, the ups. Yes, the downs, the gifts. That's what Paul is saying here. Each of us someday will bear his, oh, his own load. And if, and if you can't bear your own load, it will keep you from being able to help other people with their burdens. That's the connection between verse 5 and the beginning of this passage. Paul is saying, listen, if you're really going to do what I'm asking you to do, which is to help bear the burden of other people's sin struggles, you're going to have to also take responsibility for your own life for who you are, and for the opportunities that God has given you. John Stott says it this way. He says, there's one burden that we cannot share, and it's our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack, and I cannot carry yours. This is a burden or a load I will carry alone. Now, if I stop here, this is not really great news, because the truth is is we don't always carry our load very well, do we? We often struggle. We often uh, complain. We often question. And that's okay. I mean, I think there's room for that. But there's more to the story of Christianity. So there's the burden we must carry. There's the burden I carry alone. And then lastly, there's the burden that Jesus carried. Verse 2, Paul says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What Paul is saying here when he says, So fulfill the law of Christ, is that when we bear one another's burdens, when we help each other in our struggle against sin, in our struggle against flesh, in our struggle, when we do that for each other, we are living like Jesus lived. Because Jesus came to bear our burdens. And I'm going to have the band come up. They're going to get ready. We're going to sing a song. We're going to receive communion together. But as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, I want us to consider the burden that Jesus carried. I know you came in this morning carrying different burdens, but I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is the great burden bearer. He carried the burden of our sin and our sickness and our shame and he walked to the cross with that burden and upon the cross he became our sin so that the greatest burden that you and I could ever feel, which is the burden of not being good enough, not being right enough, not being acceptable to God can be settled forever because Jesus Christ did all of that in our place. He came to bear our burden. The burden of living righteous, Jesus did that for us. He lived perfect. The burden of paying the price of our sin, Jesus did that upon the cross. He is is the burden bearer, and here's how Jesus said it Himself in Mark chapter 10. He said, "I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many." This is who Jesus is. This is what He's done. And then First Peter 2:24, Jesus' disciple Peter said that the Lord Jesus Christ He bore our sins. Listen, He bore our sins, all of us in this room. All of us in this community, all of us in this state, all of us in this country, all of us in this world for all of time. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He went to the cross where he bore a burden that you and I can never bear on our own. And the prophet Isaiah anticipated this many years before Jesus was born. In Isaiah 53, four through six, it says these words. Surely he, speaking of Jesus, Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. I know some of you feel like you've had a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow. I've had seasons in my life where the grief, I thought it would crush me. I thought it would end me. But verses like this, as I exercise faith in Jesus, reminded me, he bore all my grief as well. He's carried my sorrows. He's a man well acquainted with grief. He suffered what none of us will ever be able to understand. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, God, the Father, has laid on the Son the iniquity of us all. Jesus Christ, the God-man, is the supreme burden bearer. And when you see that, when you really see it, When you see Jesus going to that cross to bear your burden of sin that you could never have done anything about, here's what it does. It frees up your heart to help other people when they struggle because you realize I've been saved and forgiven of something I could never have forgiven myself of or, or, or rescued myself from. Jesus did this for me. So I want to come alongside you and I want to help you and I want to walk with you and I want to encourage you and I want to strengthen you. We need to see Jesus bearing our burden. The willingness of Jesus that he chose the cross. The humility of Jesus that he left his throne to come to earth and be one of us. The love of Jesus that he loved you enough to do this for you. Here's the last thought I want to share with you this morning is this, that Jesus is the burden bearer. He's the burden bearer who gives us strength to carry our load and gives us the heart to help others carry theirs. Jesus is the burden bearer who gives us the strength to carry our burden, but also gives us the heart to help others carry theirs. And some of you this morning, you're in a place where you just desperately need someone to come alongside of you. And I want you to know that's what the church is supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be. Some of you are in a place where you can do that for someone else. Well, don't wait to be asked. Don't wait for a title don't wait for a position, don't wait for a pastor to do the work. That's our work. We're the church. We're the people of God. We bear one another's burdens. And as we bear each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Jesus Christ who gave up everything to have us. Let's pray together.